0: The Minnesota Wilds come up on the short end of the stick against the New York Rangers on opening night 7-3. We break down all the action on tonight's Locked On Wild Postcast. You are Locked On Wild Postcast, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, your team every day. Welcome into the first Lockdown Wild postcast of the 2022-2023 season. Part of the Lockdown Sports Podcast Network, your team every day, Seth Topal and Kevin Gorg, breaking down a 7-3 loss for the Minnesota Wild tonight against the New York Rangers. And Kevin, opening nights, you want to get the season started on the right foot, but ultimately, you can't spot a team like the New York Rangers, three goals right off the bat. Wild just were playing catch up the rest of the night.
1: Yeah, they were. Just listening to Dean Evison here in the uh, post game presser, he referenced a couple of things. Very atypical night for the team defensively, and he was quick to point out some dumb penalties. And I think before the game started, if you looked at the game plan tonight, the Wild are always going to be at their best five on five, but that gets magnified when you play a team like the Rangers that has the skill and the talent that they possess. And, you know, listen, we love Jake Middleton. That was a silly penalty in the neutral zone. Tripping a guy behind the play didn't save a scoring chance. Certainly didn't save a goal. Rangers get on the power play and make an unbelievable pass. The Wild are going to be a more aggressive team on the kill this year. But to beat an aggressive penalty kill, you have to make three really good passes. The Rangers did it. That took the life out of the building, and it just kind of went from there.
0: Yeah, it was, um, it was just one of those things where it felt like the game was kind of teetering, and the Wild's... We're uh, we're controlling the five-on-five to start, but yeah, that that Kreider goal on the power play to start it for the Rangers. It's just tough after that because you look at throughout the course of the game, it felt like the Wild got some good opportunities against Shesterkin. He just made some great saves.
1: He's phenomenal. I I think if if you pulled the media throughout the National Hockey League, we were talking about this in the mess hall tonight with Wes Walls and Ryan Carter. He's likely the guy that gets the nod as the best goaltender in the world right now, and You've seen it now for a couple of seasons. The Rangers seem to feed off him. And there was some respect shown by New York because they're in a situation where they're going to play back-to-back here. They had a game a couple nights ago. He was awesome against the Lightning in that home win on national TV. And with a back-to-back, you thought, well, maybe they'll give him the night off. No, no. The Wild had their respect, had their attention. He came out. I thought made some big, big-time saves early in the game when the crowd was still really waiting to get this team in the game. And You know Every chance the Wild had to really get back in the hockey game, the Rangers found an answer. And no doubt, the Wild need to be better defensively. They need to make smarter decisions without the puck. And Mark andre Fleury just spoke to the media, and, and he admitted, listen, I need to be better. I need to come up with a big save now and then. He didn't have that tonight, and that's rare as well. And it's game number one. I know a lot of Wild fans out there are going to already start to panic about the goaltending situation. Let's give it a month here. Let's see where we're at. This was not a good night for Marc-Andre Fleury, but frankly, it was not a good night for anybody in a wild sweater. So I think that uh, there's a lot of time left to decide whether uh, this tandem is going to be okay. I think there's no reason to panic so far.
0: And, you know, you, lo- you look at the numbers by and large, and that doesn't tell the whole story for Flurry per se. Because, you know, we talked about the Kreider goal. He's literally standing like three feet to his left and basically just has to tap it in like a birdie putt. The other one that kind of was a surprise was when Panarin had the puck behind the net. You have two wild skaters just watching him, which allows the entire rest of the lineup for the Rangers to come up into the play, and then there just is a ton of traffic in front of the net. Um, I forget who scored it, but they went uh, wickets on uh, Jonas Brodeen, and that's just kind of how it goes sometimes.
1: Yeah, I believe that was the Fox goal, and the Wild were very passive in that situation, And, and, you know, you mentioned Jonas Brodine. This is an elite defenseman who had a tough night. He was minus four tonight. So there's a lot of blame to go around. And, you know, when you play a team like the Rangers on opening night, and there's a lot of buzz and media attention, you know, the start of the hockey season, a lot of this stuff is going to get blown out of proportion here in the next 24 hours. And I think it's important to remember that there's an 82 game schedule and you're going to have some nights where you don't look as good as you probably are. The Wild are a much better team than they uh, show tonight. And you're going to do it against a team like the Rangers, who I think, and and Ryan Carter made the point during our broadcast tonight, the fact that they not only had a game under their belt, but had a game under their belt against Tampa Bay, you know that, that makes a huge difference early in the year because none of these guys are playing meaningful hockey. Most are playing maybe three preseason games. It's a different pace. It's a different level of physicality. And tonight, the Wild looked like a team that probably needed to get a game under their belt. No excuses. They stunk. They didn't play well. The goaltender struggled. I mean, I'm not making excuses, but that's the facts that the Rangers looked like the more poised team. They had that game under their belt, and they're one of the Cup favorites. So it's a good lesson for the Wild to learn, and now they need to bounce back on Saturday and beat a team that, isn't as good as the Rangers, but, you know, the LA Kings are certainly very dangerous as well.
0: I uh, just wanted to talk about, you know, the one, the thing that I, I did see on Twitter was people pointing to, you know, the line combinations. Like, we got we to gotta mix things up. We got to put them in a blender, and Dean did that during the game. But, again, it preaches to the patience of this is game one, and I thought from what I saw throughout the game, I thought all those lines had moments where they were generating good looks, you know, the top line, the Kaprizov line doing their thing. By and large, I did not think that the offensive lines were the problem in this one tonight.
1: Not at all. In fact, early on, and again, it's it's hard to talk about a first period where the Wild Out shot the Rangers fifteen to eight and realized they, they left the period down three-nothing. But the top line was awesome in the first period. Kaprizov had his juice going, they had some good looks go to the third period where I thought Boldy and Steele really ramped it up. Boldy had those two goals, but aside from that, Steele was a plus hockey player. I think he's plus two in a 7-3 loss. Jule Eriksson, continues to be the workhorse on this hockey team, whether it's on the power play or five on five. This guy got a cross-check to the cheek, and 30 seconds later, he's getting cross-checked into the back of the net. He is fearless. He takes a beating every night, but that line with Felino and I thought, tyson Jost had some really good looks i thought he had some jump the only line that was a little bit quiet was that fourth line and i think part of that with the deuces is in a game that's so disjointed with that many power play situations and penalty kill situations your fourth line just isn't going to get in a rhythm you know marco rossi got some looks on the power play but i thought duer and Duhame were really put in a position where they were not probably able to go out there and really get their motor
0: running we uh, will f- continue by talking about some of the things that looked good. Matt Boldy, as with the two goals as you mentioned, power play unit number one had some great looks in this one. So we'll uh, we'll flip it to some of the things that we liked and we'll look to what to expect against the Los Angeles Kings as we continue tonight's Locked On Wild postcast. After this, from our sponsor BetOnline.net, they are your number one source for NHL betting this season. You can find all the latest on player development, plus all of your favorite team matchups, the latest news, plus great podcasts, in-depth articles and analysis on every team out there. And as always, betonline.net remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live, real-time betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including the Major League Baseball playoffs, MMA, the NHL, the NBA, the NFL. You name it, they've got it. So head over to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about all the things going on at BetOnline, where the game starts. Locked on Wild postcast, Seth Topal joined by Kevin Gorg. The Wilds come up short tonight, 7-3, to but... As we alluded to, Matt Boldy with two goals, and it's just the only thing that I can really describe it as was just a take-charge moment for Matt Boldy because there really was nobody else at that point that was doing anything with the puck other than Boldy who simply, he walked Shosturkin on one of them with that just insane little backhand move and comes up with two goals and looked great doing it.
1: It's hard to believe, Seth, for me, that this guy made his... NHL splash as recent as last January. I mean, it hasn't even been a calendar year and the poise this guy shows on the rink. Um, I know that Kirill Kaprizov deservedly gets the headlines, maybe the best and most talented player to ever put on a wild sweater. But I'm telling you right now, if Matt Boldy continues to progress the way I've seen him progress in the first, let's just say what it is, less than a year uh, NHL uh, career. I mean, this kid ceiling is ridiculous. He's big, he's strong, he's got hands, he can skate, and he's at his best, it seems like, in small spaces. To your point, both those goals showed patience and strength in traffic, and really that's how you you can make a living in the National Hockey League. And look at the power play, what he could do on that. I know we'll get to that momentarily, but, my God, people were worried about can this guy score after, you know, Kevin <laughs> Fiala left, but, I mean, the more I watch this guy, I mean, how much influence did this guy have on Kevin Fiala's 33 goals last year? Because – He's an unbelievable talent. Fiala struggled the first half of the year and really didn't get hot until the second half when, by the way, he was on a line with Matt Boldy.
0: Yep. Um, Power play one and power play two were kind of the tale of two stories in this one. The power play one looked great. They double shifted on that second power play, which led to a goal. Power play two was a little bit of a work in progress, but got to be impressed with what we saw from that top unit. They were very much in control of the action, and on a couple of those instances, just some great Shesterkin saves. I think it was Kaprizov right at the side of the net, and Shesterkin just made a point-blank save that if it's even a fraction of an inch higher, it's another power play goal.
1: Yeah, that that top unit's going to get the lion's share of the looks to start unless they are coming off a ship where they're dead tired because Dean Evison showed his hand tonight in every critical situation. You mentioned the doubled-up situation in the five-on-three. Um, they're phenomenal. And I think the most frustrating aspect of the wild struggles on the power play last year was getting the puck from their defensive zone into the offensive zone and in the face-off circle. And I thought they were better in both those areas, speaking of the top power play unit. The second unit still struggled in that area. They had a little bit of, I thought, a disjointed look to them entering the zone. And when you do that against a team that has speed, like the Rangers, you don't seem to get the puck and, and be able to set up. And when this power play can set up either unit, Good things are going to happen, but they've got to be more efficient leaving their zone. They've got to be more efficient setting up once they get in the zone. And I thought I saw some real positive signs in terms of the special teams and the improvement we've, you know, that they've been working on throughout training camp tonight within this game. Not a lot of positive you can take from this game, but that is certainly something you could hang your hat on because. That top unit is going to be scary this year.
0: And, you know, just to finish on the penalty kill a little bit, they did give up that initial power play goal to the Rangers, and um, I believe they gave up one more late in the game. That, that all kind of melds together because it was just such a frantic pace in the third period. But by and large, we saw some good things from the penalty kill with their more aggressive approach. And as you keyed in on, it's an important point for that first power play for the Rangers That was just a good play by them to net that power play goal. Beyond that, it is a new look penalty kill, and I think we saw some good things from them.
1: Yeah, they've worked on it a ton. I mean, I'm talking, if you look at training camp, it was three weeks long. If you you measure five, six practices a week, I would say in all but one each week they were working on the penalty kill. That was the biggest uh, point of emphasis from this coaching staff, and that's going to be the most important thing that needs to improve. Last year, 76% wasn't good enough. How they got to 113 points with a penalty kill in the bottom (laughs) seven in the league is beyond me, but, you know, you've got to be better in that situation. And one of the areas that the Wild looked at, and maybe it's the setup, maybe it's how they killed the penalty, they were too passive, but saves on high danger chances when the Wild were shorthanded. They were in the bottom four in the league. And so between Marc-Andre Fleury and and Philip Gustafson with this more aggressive penalty kill – they are going to have to feed off that kill and realize that at some point when you're out there chasing on the penalty kill, that back door is going to be open. And as a goalie, you've got to be able to read that play pivot and get back. Now tonight on that goal, that's not a play that any goalie can stop. So I'm not blaming flurry on that one, but moving forward, that is going to be the one area that's going to be, I think, important for the wild and their goaltenders to be aware of. But I like with its team that can skate with a team that has a blue line, like the wild set that's mobile and can move. I like being aggressive, Force that team to make perfect passes and three or four of them in a row to beat you.
0: Uh, let's just finish up by talking about the Kings who uh, come to the XL Energy Center on Saturday. Kevin Fiala's return to the XL Energy Center and a Kings team, you know, that was seemed like they they got into the playoffs last year despite their offense. Not going to be the case this year because that top line for the Kings looks like they are going to be for real.
1: Yeah, I think both teams in California are up and coming. Anaheim and LA have young talent, young legs, skilled players, and the Kings still have Anze Kopitar, and he is a stud, and he's a wild killer. So I'm going to be very curious because the Kings can present some matchup problems. Their power play can be super dangerous. And so I know the Wild have one practice tomorrow. I know this coaching staff well. It's going to be a hard practice. It's going to be a physical practice, and they are going to work on anything but uh, defending and being better in front of their goalie. So I think the while they are going to come out and try to play a very, very sharp game defensively. I don't think they're looking to go out there and outscore the Kings and play running gun hockey. I think on Saturday, you're going to see this team really try to shut things down, get a lead, and play a much more smart brand of hockey. And I think the Kings will be everything you want to test, and you know Kevin Fiala. We all know him and how motivated he's going to be on Saturday. This is a guy that's going to go out there and take a bunch of chances offensively. He's got such a good shot. It's going to be a fascinating matchup to see the way the Wild try to defend Kevin Fiala because he still has, I mean, just unbelievable offensive skills. So the game within the game is if you can shut down Fiala, you're probably going to win that hockey game, but I would expect a much better effort from the home team in uh, in 48 hours.
0: Minnesota Wild lose 7-3, to three, and that will conclude tonight's Locked on Wild postcast. Thank you to everybody who tuned in on the Locked on Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. We will be doing these uh, pretty much all season here. Uh, it'll be either Kevin and me or myself, depending on where the Wild are at geographically, but uh, we will have you covered with the Locked on Wild postcasts for the entire season, so make sure that you follow along as we keep you up to date on the Minnesota Wild season all year-long as part of the Locked On Sports Podcast Network.